is Rita Williams, and I'm so excited today to have with us Sister Christina Heltsey, a Dominican nun who is the CEO, the head honcho of everything at the St. Francis Center. She took over the center more than two decades ago from its founder, Sister Monica, and she started it in 1986 when she was retired. The St. Francis Center is sometimes called a place of miracles, an oasis on El Camino Real in Redwood City's North Fair Oaks neighborhood. And it started to provide food, clothing, shelter, and other essentials to the working poor. But now it's grown and grown and grown to do not only that, but so much more. There's now a school, a gym, a study hall for teens, low-income housing units, a food pantry, daycare center, community garden, clothing shop, immigration help, classes for earning a GED, uh, learning English as a second language. And uh, let's see, did I mention that all of this is for free to those who come? And they serve more than 500 families a month or about 5,000 or more people each and every month. And they have very few paid staff and a lot of volunteers to help. And that's when there's no pandemic. And now with the lockdown and with so many people unemployed and sheltering in place, it's got to be really almost impossible, the work that you're doing. Truly a miracle. Sister Christina, welcome to Valley thank Presbyterian you. Church. Thank and you, uh, I, I'm curious, first off, how have things changed now that we're sheltering in place? Well, first of all, thank you so much for that introduction. It was humbling at best, um, but I, I'm really grateful. Uh, yeah, things have changed a lot. Um, they've changed a lot because the state mandate says that most programming has to be closed except for those things that were deemed essential. And what was deemed essential, uh, obviously, is food. So our food program is open, and frankly, it is slammed with families. Um, I think in February, which is kind of a short month, but in February, we had, I think, 270 or 280 families. In April, we had 1,389 families. And now that we're in May, it's going to be the same thing. We're gonna have the same kind of volume again. Um, and I don't see in the near future that changing much. So all of our efforts right now are going into feeding families. Families, when you talk about families, the average size of these families is <laughs> not one or two people usually. No, no you're right. It's, it's just crazy the number of people. So our numbers for our food program are up about 75%. And honestly, we've never seen those people before. So most of them are new to the food program. They're not people who've ever had to wait in line um, six feet apart <laughs> to access groceries. It's, it's, these are crazy times we're living in right now. And how do you cope? You, I know you've said you've emptied two semi-truck trailers today of food. And that's one day, you've got two or three tomorrow. How do you keep going? If I'm really honest with you, um, and I don't know if it's my DNA or because of 
the values my parents implanted in me and our own gospel values, but I feel really lucky that I get to go to work and I get to serve. I'm not doing what a lot of people are doing um, to keep us all safe and that's staying at home. So my preference would be to go and unload a semi-truck, would be to go and write out checks for families who are struggling to pay utilities or rental assistance. But it, I love administration. I get to be the administrator at the center, but what gives me balance is also pastoral care. So right now I have a lot of opportunity for pastoral care. Yeah. I would imagine some of the, what people are feeling that you're helping. <clears throat> Can you share some of those? You know, um, I watch at night the news and I watch people who are healthcare workers and how hard it is for them to accommodate not only the death around them, but the emotion and the feelings. And at, at a much, much lesser level, I get it because if you were to come into North Fair Oaks right now, the fear is palpable. I mean, you can almost taste the fear and the anxiety. How am I gonna pay my rent? How am I gonna feed my kids? When is the job gonna open back up? And then they're living four and five, like you said, bigger families in 450 or 550 square feet. So they're second language folks for the most part. They're trying to educate their kids when they don't have an education. They're trying to do it in English when mostly they are Spanish speakers. Um, and they're living in very intense um, space. Adding on that, the intensity of no work, um, that's not a good mix. It's a mix for trauma and it's a mix for domestic, domestic problems at best. So being able to talk with families, being able to pray with families, being able to offer some assistance, um, being able to walk with families means everything. It means everything to me. But you don't walk away at the end of the day from all of that that you're feeling. That's got to be hard. You know, um, like I'm sure you do, those moments of contemplation, those moments of prayer where, you know, our gospel imperatives are pretty in your face. They don't say once in a while, feed the hungry. They say feed the hungry. They don't say feed the hungry if there's leprosy around or if there's famine around or if there's pestilence around or if there's COVID around. They, the gospel says feed people when they're hungry and that's now. So I take a lot of solace in being able to come home and unload on God, if you will. <laughs> so it recenters me and it, it gives me energy again to go out and do um, the mission. And the mission is to walk with God's people. Do you ever feel overwhelmed or without hope? And how do you cope with that when you do feel that way? I do feel overwhelmed but I don't think I, I feel hopeless. I, I think hopeless is a luxury that, um, that I don't allow myself, I guess. I just, it's not very motivating for me and it's not very helpful. So I don't think I ever feel hopeless, but yeah, I, of course I get tired. We all get tired. Um, what we're doing right now at the center is really physical. I mean, honestly, I feel <laughs> I've never been such <laughs> in such great shape, um, you know, and we laugh about it, but uh, yeah, we get tired. We get tired and we need to come home and we need just to decompress so that we can do it again tomorrow. And it's, it's 
there are lots of ways to regenerate oneself. I find that, you know, people who are at home, they're bringing their bags in or they're bringing their plastic bags in or they're coming and getting big, huge bulk, um, 50 pounds of rice or beans and bringing them home with masks and gloves and repackaging them for us. So there's been a lot of kindness and a lot of generosity and that inspires me and it regenerates me. But you've been doing this now for more than two decades. I know you were a principal, a teacher before that. Mm -hmm. um, and you've built, with help, so many wonderful facilities there. And yet you see the demand and the need today more than ever. Mm -hmm. How mm -hmm. does it end? You know, I think that we're just not programmed at the St. Francis Center when something is overwhelming to do nothing. So we do something. So we started in a little house and now we have 13 buildings. And, and we're going to continue to do that until the problem is solved. Do 13 buildings house all the people that need to be housed? No. Does it, does it take care of all the youth that need mentorship and after school care? No. But it's a start and we just keep putting one foot in front of the other and trying to to meet unmet needs until they are met you mentioned 13 buildings i know that uh, early on of course you didn't have facilities for people to live right um, and then you added some apartments and more apartments and tell us what the latest is in the midst of all of this crisis that you're doing now. We are so blessed. I'm excited and I am trying not to be like too perky, <laughs> but I'm really excited. On the 15th, which is Friday, um, we were able to close on 40 more units of low-income housing in East Palo Alto. So that means we are able to safeguard 40 more families who are hardworking families working two and three jobs who just cannot afford to live on this peninsula because of the exorbitant rents. And so to be able to add 40 more units to our portfolio of low, extremely low and very low income housing means worlds. It means that those 40 families are going to be able to continue to be on the peninsula and serve in the ways they do. Um, frankly, we can't as a, society, we cannot really get along without the families that um, are living in the buildings that we have. We have beautiful nannies, we have beloved housekeepers, we have, you know, rough construction workers and lawn care workers and restaurant workers. And if self-interest alone dictated, we know that we need to have those families on our peninsula. But it's not self-interest. We also know and affirm that we need to have diversity and we need to have mixed economy. And so, um, yeah, we're really excited to have 40 more units of low-income housing. You're excited, but you also have to finish paying for it. Uh, <laughs> how, far, how much more do you need? Um, we closed escrow on Friday and we were able to put what we had to down and that was $3 million. So we owe five and a half million on it. And, um, most of my energies, of course, have been going to this pandemic and getting food out to people who need it. And I will start again to do some capital campaign um, for people who have the resources and have the heart to help us with, with these 40 units. And do you pray for 
guidance with how to do all of this and to juggle all of this? I pray for guidance all the time because honestly, when I became a sister, when I became a nun, I had no idea that I was going to be negotiating contracts and closing escrow and understanding rent stabilization programs, et cetera. I had no idea that was going to be in my vocabulary. But you know, there's this saying about God taking care of fools. Well, <laughs> God takes care of fools. And so um, I just feel like God lets us know what the need is and then allows us to get the education or the expertise um, or the professionalism that we need to make it happen. Can you give some spiritual guidance perhaps to those of us who um, are struggling through all of this? And sometimes I know that folks feel like there's no end or um, how can I cope and of what it's like to get outside of yourself mm. and to see how lucky and privileged and how these are our neighbors. These are not people millions of miles away in another country. These are our neighbors. And it's not that they're asking for a handout. They're asking for a hand up. They are the working poor. And sometimes they're invisible to people. Mm -hmm. And what could you say about that? Or how you pray for others to understand the need and what you're doing? Honestly, you asked for spiritual guidance, and I think you just gave it. I think the preaching that you just did was very full and very honest, um, because what you're suggesting is what I would have suggested and what I'm always hoping for myself, and that's to always put in check how we see. And what you're saying is we have to see one another as brothers and sisters. We have to see one another as local community and global community, and we have to find ways to reach out. So you just thank you. You just gave me spiritual guidance because I would just echo what you said. Your preaching was, was wonderful. It was wonderful. Well, it's interesting. A lot of people have heard me speak, but way back when I started reporting in the 70s in San Antonio, one of the first people I interviewed was Mother Teresa, who was kind of starting out, but had a few people. She was beginning to get a little media coverage and Yet when I called and asked if I could go interview her at a Catholic church in San Antonio, I, my cameraman and I were the only two people there. And so I was uh, standing right next to her and just the three of us were talking and I did this interview. And I remembered saying, you know, Mother Teresa, some people refer to you as a, a living saint. What, what does that feel like? And I've never forgotten this, that she put her hands on mine and those beautiful eyes that look like they could see your soul. And mm -hmm. said, Rita, you're a saint, I'm a saint. Anyone who does God's work is a saint. And you are a saint. Uh, you're living um, your faith every single day. And I think you're an inspiration to all the rest of us. Thank you, but honestly, my brothers and sisters, I have six brothers and two sisters, and they keep me grounded. They'd say, no, not really. 
but thank you so much. I, um, I do, I agree very much with Mother Teresa. We are all striving to be better. We're all striving for sainthood. And um, so I'd like us all to stay on that path. Um, you said that you need all of this money. Um, are there other ways aside from financially that those of us out here can help? Right now, um, we are still not getting the kind of allocations that we need from our wonderful partner, um, Second Harvest Food Bank. I love them. They've been partners with us for a very long time, but they're feeling the crunch too. And so there are some things that we're just not able to get. We're not able to get cooking oil, which is a staple in most homes. We're not able to get um, corn flour, which for the families that we serve for the most, for the majority, um, making tortillas, you need corn flour. Um, we are not able to get peanut butter, which is a wonderful, you know, protein for our families to have. We're not able to get ketchup or canned uh, tomatoes. Um, again, it's culturally sensitive. It's something that is used in many meals that are prepared in the neighborhood in which I work. And um, having juices for children would be a wonderful thing. A way to add that to the grocery bags would be great. Um, and just snacks for kids would be great as well. We also have some people, and we're not adverse to this in any way at all. We have people, we live in California. We have people who are picking their lemon trees or picking mm -hmm. their orange trees and they're bringing it down to us and we're rehoming it happily to the families so that there is um, a nice balance of canned food, dry foods and um, fresh produce. Is it better to, um purchase these things in bulk and bring them to you or to give you the funds to buy them with that you buy perhaps more in bulk and can get at a better price or how, which is best? Actually either, um, I would happily receive either. And the truth is, yes, we are able to buy from um, restaurant suppliers and other places that give us a better bulk rate, if you will. But if people want to go to Smart and Final or some of those places and do it themselves, I'm happy with that as well. Now, I know you provide in normal times, whenever normal is today, um, education for children, uh, mm -hmm. counseling, um, clothes closet, uh, your, your community garden, all of those things. Are they operative? Can people come in and get clothes now? Can they come in and get food from the garden? Um, how does that all work now? Um, most of the programming is closed. However, the community gardens, we have two huge community gardens and each gardener has a key. So they're able to go in and do their planting and do their harvesting and not break any stay-at-home orders right now. So that is, people are doing that. And they're growing every kind of chili you could ever imagine right now. <laughs> Chilies that would make your head pop off if you <laughs> ate it. Um, the, the therapy, we're not able to do face-to-face -face therapy, but we have about 30 kids right now who are doing teletherapy with therapists um, because of what I described before. It's very intense. And it's not just intense for adults. It's very intense for children as well. So we do have about 30 kids that are getting teletherapy. We have a school, a small school, we call it Holy Family School. 
and it's a very different concept, but we have a sixth grade right now and a third grade. Next year, we'll have a fourth grade and a seventh grade. So we have two cohorts that run concurrently. And right now, our kids are actually in school almost from eight in the morning till 3.30. They're either on Canvas or Zoom or YouTube or whatever, um, because our kids didn't start the race at the same place. And so we can't afford for them to get even further behind. So our teachers, they inspire the heck out of me. Um, they are working their heads off to try and continually educate our kids so that they don't get so far behind. Um, the closed closet is closed right now, um, but frankly, our whole first floor, which is usually the clothing room as well, is consumed by bags and groceries and food. So um, until those numbers, get a little bit less, we won't be able to open the clothing room and until the stay at home order is, is opened as well. But some, some things we're able to do online and through Zoom. Your, your motto is, uh, can you share that and, um, and how you practice that every day? Our motto is compassion, not judgment. And we have it um, where our intake desk is on the first floor in big gold letters. And so I walk by that, I don't know, 15, 20 times a day. And it always calls me back to the way we want to be with people. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a nice motto, but it's challenging. It's hard to walk and find balance between compassion and without, you know, with not not having judgment or negative judgments on people. There's always a temptation to judge, especially if you're in a privileged uh, position. So I am grateful to have that logo imprinted on our wall and I wanna imprint it on my heart and I want to actualize it in my actions. And that's a prayer right there for everyone <laughs> to practice. Um, you, um, mention the kinds of work that folks do, most of the families there. These are working families. Absolutely, and, they work so hard. And they're also, I know from being on a board at Job Train, which helps train folks that mm -hmm. those who've been most impacted by the shutdown have been those at the bottom that have service jobs or jobs where they have just brought themselves up, whether gardening, sales, grocery store, working in a restaurant, whatever. Yes. Um, do they have hope? Do they see this getting better? And are you also giving, are there loans or anything to help them over these short periods that we hope are short? Uh, in the community I work in, they have a saying, si Dios quiere, if God is willing. And they really live that way. They, you know, I have a tendency, I give it to God and then I take it back. <laughs> but <laughs> they teach me all the time. They give it to God and it's not as if they give up or if they're not motivated or not striving but they really have such incredible deep faith that when they give it to God, they really give it to God and they walk in faith. So the way you describe the folks I get to work with is true. They are working their heads off. They do jobs that my nephews and nieces never would ever think to do. 
Um, and their willingness to do whatever it takes to provide for their family is amazing to me. Um, so we have people that have come from other countries and they were physicians or they were nurses or they were certified teachers and they are doing lawn care and they're doing rough construction because they aren't able to get certified here in the, in the United States. And their willingness to flip a burger rather than you know do what they were doing in their country of origin um, teaches me a lot as, as well. Like I said, they would do anything to provide for their families and to be um, self-supporting and self-sustaining members of this community. And there isn't the sense of individualism that some of us might have. There's a real communal sense about raising up the whole versus raising just myself up. Mm -hmm. I could talk to you forever. Um, I know you <laughs> probably have another truck to unload. Um, <laughs> Not tonight. <laughs> but uh, could you, um, close with either um, scripture or a prayer or a thought to leave us with um, and maybe how we judge others and how we're not always helping the way we should be of realizing Absolutely. that we're all brothers and sisters. Well, you just gave the prayer as well. No, so. I didn't. <laughs> Let us pray. Loving God, we are so grateful just to pause and say your name, what a privilege. We ask you please to send your Holy Spirit upon us so that we will have the grace and the knowledge and the desire to serve you by serving your people. Let us remember that we are all family because you are our Father. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. 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 And thank you, Sister Christina. And we hope to see you in our church before long and to see you at the St. Francis Center. Thank, thank you, you for all you're doing. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Thank you, dear. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.